Unlocking the Cage is recorded live on Twitch Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific at Manager's Comedy. Tune in to chat and share your opinions and help us unlock the cage. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Whether he's removing his face or on a criminal plane or a historical chase, we love Nicholas Cage. Star of screen, his name's gonna watch him all day while he's a screaming with rage because we're unlocking the cage. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unlocking the Cage. I am your host, Meg, with my co-host, Chris. We are here today to discuss the movie, The Family Man. Chris, how are you doing today? Good. Not like we don't. I'm muted. Ah, I always do this. God, there's too many buttons for me to hit and I can never do things right. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about this movie. It's all right. It was eh. It was like a holiday movie. It's been the holidays. It was mostly unsettling, but we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, and for those who are listening to the podcast version of this, we record the show live uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time on Sundays. If you want to join us on Twitch at, at twitch.tv slash managers comedy. Um, we also have old episodes up on YouTube if you'd rather watch the visual version of this. Um And the purpose of our show is to watch and rank every single one of Nicolas Cage's 106 movies. Um, And yeah, so I guess where are we at, Chris? I've got, I think I've got you at 30 movies and I'm at 19 now. Yeah, I had seen this one already as a child. So So we're chipping away. Holding at 30. (laughs) Um, So we have an awesome guest for today. Uh, She is a voice actor for Toonami and a writer-producer. Uh, welcome to our show, Dana Swanson. Oh, hi, Hello, Dana. I feel oh, welcomed. Hey. I feel so welcomed. I'm joining you here from the Golden Girls Kitchen. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Is, Thank uh, you for I being like a friend. It was, it was, yeah, it felt very family to me. Like it's, I, I, it was also just a background I had, but you know, it was like we're we're sort of in the spirit. We're still sort of in this holiday spirit. This movie takes place sort of in between holidays, but obviously Christmas is a big turning point totally. in it um so i i just really felt the, i felt the like friendly family vibes of like what could your life be like what city absolutely was the golden girls body chance in new jersey i doubt it no it's in florida i think oh, okay. it's in it's uh shady pines never mind retirement home in florida no parallel I there say, i want to say it's floridian but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I just like this background and I don't want everybody to see my apartment. <laughs> I, I, I got to find the end of this the episode. Wall. We're going to find a golden girls, uh, Nicholas cage connection. That's my there goal. There has to be, there has to be at least like, I mean, B Arthur has worked so much. So is Estelle Getty. So I'm sure that if not them, then the showrunners, like somebody had to have at least a little bit of crossover, maybe NC uh, executive produce some stuff. I know this is an actor only as we discussed right before the show, yeah. this is an actor <laughs> only Nicolas Cage acting in podcasts it's not we're not delving into his production credits but I would invite you to maybe look at those at some point well there was a time I I did do like a little bit of a data like dive into the stuff for from IMDb to try and find those connections uh at least it's at the top level like you know the top names on the cast I didn't find many kind of connections but one thing I did find weird was Elijah Wood produced a few movies for nick cage Ooh. isn't that weird Elijah's pretty rad man i like elijah wood elijah, wood. elijah is a horror nerd uh elijah also likes uh racer trash which i'm a part of which i have my little 
sweatshirt on for. Uh, so we like Elijah. I stand Elijah, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Wait, it didn't, it was uh, Elijah would did uh, produce Mandy, right? Yes. That would make sense, yeah. yeah. Which I still have not seen Mandy. I feel like you two would be really fun to watch Mandy with, unless you already did your episode. We already did our episode it's on Mandy. And- it's number oh, look one. It's water. It disappears. Um, That's cool. Uh, Mandy is our current number one ranked movie out of wow. uh, 12 movies. And I'm guessing The Family Man is not going to knock that out. But who knows? It could. Who it knows? really could. This is anybody's game. We're just <laughs> starting at the start. Uh, I won't lead the conversation, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> I mean, these these ratings we use are very subjective. We could literally just okay. do whatever we want. We want to make the family man number one. Let's just if 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 the producer of the family man wants to line our pockets, let's just make it number one, and then people will go by. Director Brett Ratner steps in and says, <laughs> "I want this family man here." But no, we, we're. <laughs> We're not Ratner, giving man. Brett Ratner the time of yeah, day. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, in my notes, I was going to mention this movie is directed by Brett Ratner, who is the director, as you may know, of Rush Hour movies, uh, X-Men mm-hmm. The Last Stand, and also a noted sex pest. Yes, so sex fun. pest, for sure. I heard a personal story about him being a sex pest. Now, is that a uh, fetish or is that like a bad thing? It's like a status. That's like you are a ding dong. Like you are a bad person on set. You you uh, you do not leave somebody alone if you have a goal for sex. That I, is a. Uh, it's also I I think it's a it's a it's a fun way to put. You are a harasser, and I can laugh at you because and maybe you'll leave me alone. But I think it gives somebody that status of like you're annoying. Like it's not just like you're scary. It's like you're beyond scary. You're annoying. See now in yeah, my mind, not to diminish anybody's experience. That's okay. That's bad. I was thinking it was more like a, like when you say sex pest, like someone who, uh, in like a, like a BDSM thing where someone likes to be oh. a rat or a cockroach and you step yeah. on them. And- no, that's like a much be- more fun option. It's, it's more like yeah. a, just a cutesy way of saying he's been accused of sexually harassing right. a lot of women, a lot so, of women. Okay. and gotten kicked and he, off of movies because of it. Yes. And relentlessness is also, I think a key part of sex pest is like, it keeps coming of like, it's still going. It's right. Still like going. someone um, even I, talks to him and he comes back yeah, and he's like, I am, but okay. that terminology, like the fact that it would bring up like some sort of like CBT or, um, or again, dressing up as a rat or, um, I have heard stories. I know we just came off the heels of Thanksgiving. I had heard, I have heard stories of someone wanting to get into a cardboard oven and be basted like a turkey. Uh, that is a possibility. That's more of a sex poultry, but you know, I can see where your brain (laughs) is on this. Yeah. I, I I am a sex pilgrim. And how how does that work? I won't, I won't explain it. That's just, that's all. Sex so you come in and you you take land from others. Is I take land and then I eat corn and some mashed potatoes. Yeah. You wear funny yeah. hats. I, I hate to break it to you. There were many things circulating this Thanksgiving that talked about how disgusting uh, the pilgrims smelled. They did not understand bathing. And I, indigenous I people were it. like, these guys got to go. This is stank. <laughs> like, All right. Which, wow. So, Dana, That's let's gross. talk yeah. about. Let's talk about uh, your history with Nicolas Cage. So one of the things that we usually ask people is how many Nicolas Cage movies have you seen? If you had to guess, and again, we're not counting producer questions. We're counting, we're counting, you know, and just a wild guess is fine. Okay. So I counted right before the show and it was a very rough count. And I want to say I've seen about 13. Okay. I didn't, I didn't finish color out of space. I probably never will finish color out of space. Oh God. (laughs) Um, and so I don't know if that's a 12 and a half at that point, but I've at least like experienced some of the cage in that film. And it was enough to just 
I don't know what your terminology for this is, but he goes to 11 when he really needs to be at two a lot of the time. So I, I um, feel like that's a real question is need, you know, I don't know. Like, does he need to be as crazy as he is? Probably not, but no. do we benefit from it in many cases. Yes. Yes. We do benefit um, as a culture. Yes. We benefit. So, um, all right. So I'm going to say you're, you're, you're fairly middle of the road. I think that you're sort of at where I was at before I started this show. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think this is, this is a good place to be. You've got some background. Uh, and so we'll, we'll take it from there. All right. So a little bit about this movie, this movie was made in the year 2000. It was the same year that Nick Cage was in gone in 60 seconds, which is one of the movies that we did. Um, kind of a similar understated cage vibe, uh, that to that movie, uh, it was a financial success. It, it was made for 60 million and made 125 million. So it what? was yeah yeah it made 125 million it sure yeah. did and also it cost 60 million How yeah that was actually yeah. more surprising to me <laughs> did what? that all go to brett ratner who what well oh, what i, I think I, uh... is is when you make a christmas movie there's a lot of things like you want to have snow but like it doesn't always yeah. snow so like there could have just been like snow machines that really inflated that budget maybe i don't know That's my i guess. think it was to pay for all the parking tickets for all the yeah. times that he just sort of like pulled his car up in front of buildings in midtown and hopped yeah. out like the night there's a lot of nice cars in this film because it's about money and stocks and wall street and yeah. investing and numbers and working on christmas and capitalism like there's a lot of themes <laughs> like like that this, have to do with throwing money around the bizarre yeah. old man conversation he had where he was like oh like like it was like this weird i, I was very very heavily homoerotic i think between him and his boss in that office where like, well, you're going to work on Christmas. Uh, you're going to fly to Aspen. I know it could count yeah. on you. Like you <laughs> we just love fuck. money. Yeah, yeah. Like that sort of, I do think yeah, homoerotic is a great word for it because there is like this sexualization of hustle culture that I think is, is very well embodied in that sort of like early version that we see of Nicholas Cage in this movie of like hustle, hustle, go, go, go. Money is your goal. Who cares about the heart? Like literally it's like head over heart is like, well, I need to use my hat and like, and being ashamed of, uh, of working in a lesser status. So it's like status and money and power versus like having a nice life Ugh. and what that actually means. Yeah. And just so we, just to catch everybody up, if you haven't seen the movie, so this, this is a very simple premise for this movie. I don't think you need to see the movie to follow this discussion. And yeah. it is, it is sort of an, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful life, but instead of what happened if I wasn't around it's what would happen if I had married my or what would happen if Nick Cage who's a high-powered stockbroker had married his childhood or his college sweetheart Tia Leone and I I apologize in advance because I didn't do the research for this but does anyone remember a movie with Michael Caine and Jim Belushi where he goes to a bar and he does this drink and it makes it so one decision in his life was changed. So he went an alternate path. It's like basically the exact same storyline as this one. Wait, oh, what about uh, slide? Sorry, go ahead, Dana. What was no, it? Sl- sliding Belushi's is I think. Oh yeah, Belushi's. Sliding Belushi's. It's a great yeah. one. Also, this is a Sliding Doors movie too. This is like- Yeah, a- this is Sliding Doors. Yeah. Like what if my life were just slightly different? Like yeah. what if I didn't make that decision that- it's the butterfly effect, if you right. will. This is our Ashton Kutcher. That also really plays into the time period. Like these, this is another sliding doors 
butterfly effects. They love this movie. People making movies just love this trope. And they love it. Like, because we, I think we're also fascinated with time and events and structure and what ifs and regrets. And I think, you know, I I hate to say that Christmas is a time of regrets, but that's kind of what I'm gathering between this and it's a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Christmas, it's time of regrets. It's, it's, uh, so yeah, it's interesting to watch Christmas movies from the perspective of like, what do they say about Christmas as a concept? Yeah. I don't think this movie yeah. really takes a opinion on Christmas in the way that others might. Like, I feel like it's just sort of like, this is a good place to start and, you know, have it be kind of atmospheric, mm-hmm. homey. I think it's, I think it's a uh, Christmas is sort of emotional terrorism and that it immediately people have a connection to it being about family and kindness and even, um, you know, as we're starting, like it is uh, Nicholas Cage's character is asking people to work on Christmas. And obviously not everybody in there celebrates Christmas. Like that's just sort of the luck of the draw here, folks. But um, a, a, a Christmas movie trope is Christmas, but it's, but it's Christmas. Like, I feel like there were already a couple, but it, but it's Christmases. The dude who, um, who like he's sending home to, you know, making work on Christmas. He's like, oh, I want to be home yeah. with my family. He's a famous Jewish actor. Like he yeah, is, yeah, the- <laughs> and Saul Rubinek, yeah, Saul Rubinek was like, I want to be home with my family on Christmas I'm like, because really, I'm no. Jewish and I get the day off from you assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of what I gathered is like it's just the day off that everybody looks forward to, no matter what your tradition is. It's like you know, it's a you know, it's a guaranteed bank holiday, no matter what, which I think is important. Um, but there was a lot of use of again, like Chris, the Christmas magic as a trope. And mm. that was like, you know, Nick Cage walking around and there's like snow being an important transition so of like, snow. everything's going to change with snow and winter magic and reset and Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle being a part of Christmas magic. Just so, so, so why don't we just in, like, just, just to kind of get the framework there for those who haven't seen yes. the movie. All right. Yes. So yes. he, he's a Scrooge type businessman, works on wall street money all the time yeah, great underwear he has tight briefs tight, tight black briefs, briefs. Oh, that's, how we know. that's how we know I which met- cage he is because of his underwear selection i forgot to get you to get this scene chris because the movie starts out with such a great crazy cage scene of him singing yeah. opera oh yeah oh God. And i should have gotten you to get that in scene so uh he's screaming opera uh, in great shape this is like very beefy cage yeah uh, but beefy and, uh, but not cage is chubby. unlocked. This cage is yeah. unlocked. It is no holds barred. Like, a, he didn't even have a, this many shirtless scenes like in, in Con Air, Face Off, anything like that, where he seemed like this in shape. Like he was actually kind of had some musculature going. Like, you know, he didn't have definition, yeah. but he was really good. He was putting in hours, as they say. Like he yeah. was putting in hours in whatever oh. high powered gym he had. I don't know. He was putting in hours. And it's got to be for something else because there's really nothing about this movie that was like, this guy should be in great shape. I think he was just like, he got in great shape for Gone in 60 Seconds or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Even though he just had a leather jacket on the entire time, you would never yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. He, he had... wasn't very shirtless in Gone in 60 Seconds. All right. Yeah. The song that he's singing is called La Donna e Mobile. Um, mm-hmm. And we haven't actually seen any of these other movies that are mentioned, but this is a song that recurs in Cage movies, apparently. It's a cameo Whoa. song. Uh, it's featured in Captain Curly's Mandolin, Honey, uh, Honeymoon in Vegas, and Guarding Tess. Uh, three movies we haven't covered on this podcast, and actually I haven't seen any of those. Oh, and so, I, I, um, there's guarding, two of those. Yes. Two of those are in this movie because there's that one, and there's also they play Wicked Game right. when he's trying to yes. bang her. 
oh, she's trying to bang him. Game is what a great music cue. Like and instantly, I I want to bang something. When yeah. I, <laughs> I want to bang sand when I hear that. Wicked yeah. game, Wicked. not just something yeah. that the Boston Red Sox fans say to each other. <laughs> what a Boston joke! Wow. Hey oh. Local. What a local wicked fucking game, guys. We're from Boston. Yeah. Local jokes get local work. Let's keep, let's get hired in Boston. Hey, So, um, all right. So, yeah, he's a rich Scrooge guy. Then. Oh, wait. I want to I explicitly say what Chris was hinting at, which is that wicked game uh, features heavily in the movie Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. Oh. So that's our little crossover for things. So, that's he's a, a, a cage over, is what I would say. So, that's a good cage over. Yeah. Tay Leone's breaking the fourth wall. She's like, I know he loved this in Wild at Heart. I'm going to play it for him to get him, you know, in the mood. You know, I don't yeah. know. Or maybe this is the future of that character from Wild at Heart. We just don't know. But- and speaking you know of uh, cage overs, how about those hair plugs, guys? Ooh, wow. Uh, so my favorite is actually the opening scene where it says like 1987 and Tay and Nick Cage are both talking about their internships and they both look 45 and yes. they're like, listen, I've got this in, I've got to get on a plane. Cause that's like, when we start at the airport and spoiler, it also ends in an airport, but the decision being like, this is the split is, do I get on the plane or not? Is sort of what we're led to believe is like, the Nick sliding doors the moment. Yeah. The sliding doors moment is, is deciding to go to London and he looks 45. Like his <laughs> hair is the same as it is in the following scene. Taya Leone, I think her acting is just slightly different. Like that was the only difference. Like her hair kind of looked the same. It was so like she had long a, hair. She had long hair. In oh, the she had long hair. Okay, I will yeah, say yeah. though, if you watch Raising Arizona in which Cage was 23, he looks like he's 45. So I don't know. Yeah, he's just he's permanently 45. Like no matter what age he is, he's forever 45. Let's get so that, that old man. That was face. definitely a shock. 1987. Oh, I've got my internship. Like, you know, kudos to you for restarting your career at 45, but like it was just very <laughs> shocking. I was looking um, at the deleted scenes that you sent me, Meg, and uh, there's one of them in the airport. And this is going to be way too minuscule of a thing to notice, but there's just a scene where he she, he hands her some life life she hands him some lifesavers. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and he's like, I think I'll have lifesavers in London, honey. And that's just cut out. But there's also a scene later in the movie where he goes, do you want a lifesaver? And he puts him down on the desk says, hey, help yourself. Do you remember that to his secretary? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think they were squeezing in product placement for lifesavers into this goddamn yeah. movie. There was also, I mean, there was some Coke product placement. That. Sure, oh, yeah, sure. Because like in the convenience store, the second time we're in the convenience store, a woman sets down a Diet Coke and there's Coke and Sprite very clearly behind them. And as... Uh, a person who's from Atlanta, I definitely clock that very easily. Uh, <laughs> like any sort of Coke placement, I'm very aware of. Um, <laughs> it caught my attention is what I would like to say about that. Oh, we got to uh, start. Think, huh? well, uh, other product placement, there's tires involved. Like, so he, yeah, so he has like a Christmas miracle experience. Right. And then the sliding doors moment, like he goes to bed in his like, in his briefs. Again, we see the briefs a second time goes to bed alone in his big ass loft in New York, wakes up and it's kids screaming and Taylioni and he's wearing boxers. So the underwear change tells us Ooh, he's in a different life. Yeah. Maybe he his- wakes up too with Taylioni 
draped over him in the most hilarious way. Yeah. Like, who sleeps like that? Yeah, like, Taylioni's a shit bed on partner. On his stomach. Oh, honey. It's like yeah. Taylioni needs to just like calm that down because I'm yeah. getting separate beds at that point. If that's what I yeah, gotta like deal with every she's night. She's honestly like draping like a cat at that point. Like she was just like, oh baby. Like, like armpit it- in the face. Like, yeah. like what is happening here? Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> armpit in the face. I realize that this is probably going to go out to audio and I'm doing a lot of video jokes. So I'm oh, gonna- no, okay. we have a video. Uh, thanks for bringing at. that up. Uh, you can, if you're listening to this audio, you can go back and watch uh, the episodes on YouTube. So if the, you'd ooh. like to see our faces. Uh, uh, so, so the, so, okay. So the, the mechanism okay. for this magical transition is the magical Don Cheadle holds up, yes. a, or holds up a convenience store with a gun. And yes. this is somehow a test. This is this is a test that he's worthy of this life experience is if he pays if he defuses the situation with the gun. Anyway, it's it's a stupid thing, but I don't I just and we should, in case someone hadn't we, seen it, just that's Yeah, what we should talk about too, like the sort of like magical black person yep. trope in movies, which is yeah. like as soon as I saw this, I was like, Oh god damn it. Like it's like the the Don Cheadle's character doesn't exist in the world except as like sort of an angel-ish thing, like unnamed, to, unnamed, character. unnamed to better Nick Cage's character. So he only exists as a plot device to like make Nick Cage realize that like he sucks and he could be a better person. And right. that, I feel was, like that's a pretty common one in movies, unfortunately. Yeah. It was a very white world because like yeah, like Don Cheadle is sort of entering as like. Well, I'm one of the only actors of color you're going to see in this, and uh, and yeah. by the way, a magical. Like yeah. it was, it was very. Odd. I thought that was really odd as far as like. I mean, that's also timestamp the 2000s, also pre 9/11. Like there was a lot of stuff that was very timestamped. Like that was very extremely pre 9/11 movie. Somehow, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of like a lot of um don't go at arrivals gates and and it was or departure gates like planes are leaving and there's don't go like this is something that you'd have to be saying goodbye in the baggage claim like it was right very different or like or having to pull around lax in the circle about three or four times yeah don't like, go and then like having to keep going around wait 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 <laughs> it was very and he, possible and, and what's crazy about the the race not the racism whatever you want to call it is that like they not only made him magical, but they also made him a stereotype. Like they did both, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Was- Every scene he was a stereotype that he was in. Yeah. Um, because when he was like holding up, uh, he was a stereotype when he was holding up the con- holding up quote unquote the convenience store for the biz. There was some business deal that Nick Cage is trying to strike with them about like a the two hundred thirty eight dollar lottery ticket. It was very tedious. I did not care about. Oh, that was just like because it just was. It was honestly a bridge so that anytime Nick Cage could be like money stocks, money stocks, and by this time we had seen probably about fifteen minutes of money stocks, money stocks, and so he tried to money stock, money stock Don Cheadle. And, you know, work out a quote unquote business deal to diffuse the situation. Yeah. His power so is odd. business. Why not? The second time we see DC, he's like in this beautiful, like leather jacket and turtleneck, but they made him look like Shaq. Yeah. Like, uh, Chris, why don't you hit that? We have a clip of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do have a clip of that. Hold this on. is, uh, this is after. Let's go Nick to the Cage's... clips. He's woken up and he's freaking out. <sighs> oh. What's happening to me? Breathe into the bag, Jack. 
This kind of thing makes a lot of guys have to throw up. I've seen it happen before, okay? So if you feel the urge, you roll down the window and do it out there. Turtleneck? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. It's worked up, Jack, okay? After all, you brought this on yourself. I didn't do anything! Also, why is he driving so fucking fast for no reason? Yeah, he's driving fast and not looking, which I find a little concerning. Um, but also it's Don Cheadle and I love him. Like that is the only thing of like, like this, and again, this is three white people talking about stereotypes, but, um, <laughs> like, like, I mean, it is like it every is podcast. Very, yeah. It's very odd to be like, oh, this is the, one of the only black actors in your film is Don Cheadle. Who's fucking amazing, but we're going to make him this trope, but also as an actor, he is magical. So it is very like, we don't like, it's sort of a hard box to put, put him yeah. in. But, I mean, it's it's hard to expect a lot more than, you know, a movie made by Brett Ratner in the year mm -hmm. 2000. You know, yeah. this is, yeah. I, I'm not, I, time, Sam. I'm not surprised. And there's nothing very surprising about this. I, I mean, I was, I was happy to see him in this movie. I do enjoy Don Cheadle. So yeah. that was probably, I, I think Don Cheadle was probably the right for the role. And I think yeah. Taya Leone was right for the role. Maybe this is a discussion for later, but. Oh, I, it's. A discussion for whenever you want. Nick yeah. Cage was horribly miscast for this movie <laughs> because he cannot play heartwarming. I don't know if I've ever seen him in another movie that's supposed to be heartwarming, but my what God. about it could happen to you? All right, maybe that one. Maybe I haven't seen it in a long time. I like this movie when I saw it when I was a child. I saw it now. Oh my God, it just creeped me out. It was mm -hmm. just super creepy. Um, the runtime, like this, is two hours of a very unlikable nick cage yeah like he's so unlikable until whatever turning point in the film where he becomes like oh kids are great My 140 140 into yeah. the movie 140 like until then it's all money stocks money stocks business deal suits like buy me a 2400 suit yeah yelling at your poor wife who has to work hard all the time yeah and like making fun of your wife who's who's a pro bono lawyer and like <laughs> and making fun of like working in like working in a tire store and like doing so somewhat of like a blue collar job and and like even making fun of Piven it like Piven's little living room he has a great living room he can sit in there that to me is a good living room it's, like, a, it's a fine they, living room he almost cheats on his wife and they drop yeah. that they just drop that like a friggin like it's just gone yeah yeah he like there's a there's a scene in the bowling alley because like there's a there's evelyn i can't remember her name keeps coming on to him and being like i wore this dress for you i noticed i saw you checking it out and then there's like a very real conversation in the bowling alley because he's throughout this movie he's he is pinging people in his his sort of dream life like this sort of world where he like the what if world he's pinging them to be like what who am i what is my role when when do i go to work how do i pick my kids up from school and so he has a couple helpers and one of them is his daughter Annie I believe and the other ones are kind of come to him as is so he's trying to suss out with this woman that's like definitely like horny for him like hey are we fucking yeah and um and he's like oh we're gonna do this okay yeah and then she she takes that as oh yeah we should we should we haven't yeah and so he learns like oh they haven't but this woman has been very attracted to him, has really like been laying it on thick. And maybe he's been sort of putting off her advances. She's buying snow tires for him. Like she bought like six, <laughs> six tires for him. And she could just have an excuse to look at him. Like it's so oh, weird. God. And so he takes this as an opportunity to be like, well, I'm going to smash, which like <laughs> smash Taylioni. I know. 
I mean, it's 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 made clear that like he's he he's super into Taya Leone. Like yeah. he's like you know she is really hot to him still. Like he, he there's no you know lack yeah. of attraction. Which there. there is a scene where like his first sort of like uh oh I could have a sexual uh, encounter with Taya Leone um, outside of our college relationship. Like she's in the shower dancing with her back to us so we know it's a body double it's uh, extremely like, and then the body double is significantly taller than her is a trivia fact oh. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even catch that that's great I, mean, yeah. I didn't catch it it was that's something i read on imdb but, but there's yeah a, there's a giraffe of a woman in this and like not to <laughs> knock that but like compared to Taya leone like tall woman tall drink of beautiful water Who's just like, listen, I'm supermodel height. I'm I'm who you could get today. Maybe it was somebody Brett Ratner was sleeping with. Yeah. Popped her in there. Definitely. Or had which yet. not to not to knock whoever that was, but like and like um, I mean just, if, if that you you're gonna get the height wrong. Get the height. Why why would you get the height wrong? To jump back I, a second to the oh sorry. Oh. No, no, you jump back to where jump back you like a second her. to the affair. There yeah. was there was a thread yeah. in that. That I thought they were going to go down, but they just dropped immediately, which was he says to Jeremy Piven, he's like, you know, don't do this. There's, uh, you know, consequences, basically. Right. And he's yeah. like, oh, it doesn't work that way for me. I thought they were going to go full Groundhog Day because he knows this isn't his life and this is just a glimpse and it's going to be over. So you can do whatever the fuck he wants, which is kind yeah, of realistic. I don't really fault him for considering sleeping with that other woman because, like, he knows he's going to go back. It's not his actual wife. Like, right. Uh you know, I, I don't know, maybe after a while, but it's, it's like, like he didn't do it and that's good, yeah. but I don't fault him for considering it. I think, yeah, I think yeah. I would consider it too. And he'd basically he been single. A, yeah, he does. I think there was a little bit of Groundhog's Day chaos to that of yeah. like, oh, I want to just cause chaos. Like I'm kind of sick of this life. I want to cause a little chaos because it doesn't mean anything anymore. And that's when Jeremy Piven, somehow the voice of reason, who I've heard is also a bit of an SP Ooh, and yeah. code for sex pest um i heard he really likes background actors Uh oh which is yeah i don't i don't care for him he's not a plus in this movie for me yeah. uh, so i did like that he was the voice of reason somehow there's like, another miscast right there <laughs> yeah total Wait. miscast speaking of casting i did want to drop this fact in uh guess who was considered for this part instead of nick cage a recurring uh character in the people that could have gotten cage roles but didn't uh, Mr. John Travolta. It was absolutely John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> so this could have been a John Travolta movie. And you know what? I think it might have been a better John Travolta movie. He definitely has a yeah, deeper bench when it comes to family-friendly films. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, you, did, you did need an actor to be a bit, like, uh, hate hateable at the top. Like, we, you do want somebody who is a redemption story. It's a Scrooge story, as discussed previous. Like, you do want him to be a bit of a jerk at the top right. and then have that. And then when that turn happens, we want to really love that turn. And I didn't love the turn. No, no. Like he was definitely a piece of shit and very believable as just this weird, but also just a weird piece of shit. Like he was just like, when he was trying to do business deals and stuff, it was obnoxious and didn't make any sense. Yeah. So, like I didn't get the impression wanna... he was skilled. He was just kind of like very insistent on his opinion and stood up and yes. yelled a lot, but he didn't really do anything better than anyone um, else. I actually, I don't know if this has been covered in this podcast before. Mm -hmm. So this is a, I don't even, a, a cage over. This is a cage over, if you will, of um, his name in this film is Jack Campbell, right? Yes. His name 
on call sheets. And I would like to um, give props to my friend, David B. Lyons for giving me this information. His name on call sheets is Jack Cadillac. Ew. <laughs> and that's not just, I mean, I don't know what it was for this film. And I, I always wonder if this film started that fire. I can't, I don't know how to trace this, but I do know that that is his name on call sheets. I know Tom Cruise has a fake name, but Nick Cage's is Jack Cadillac. This is and so huge. I do feel like that's a funny name for this character. Huge. This weird like Jack Cadillac, Pete Campbell hybrid, and he's Jack Campbell, but... <laughs> That is a huge I mean, piece of information, Dana. You are dropping some huge knowledge. Yeah, I, I, I remember you mentioned before the show started that you had a couple of little insider tidbits. Feel free to drop those in whenever that you like. I'd love to hear them. I love that. That is probably, that. that was a fly, by the way. I went like this. Um, <laughs> that was that was the biggest, like that was definitely, that was definitely a moment where a bomb dropped and I was like, can I, can I, I had to ask, I was like, well, can I share this information? Because that's pretty personal. I don't know if there's an NDA of if you see Jack Cadillac on a call sheet. Yeah, I have a anything. comment from the chat from Jenny, who was our guest for um, Gone in 60 Seconds. That's, she says, further proof that Nick Cage is autosexual. I believe mm -hmm. it. I he, mean, that's that's a big theme is he's really into cars, really horny for cars. Horny for cars. Yes, like that Ferrari. He's horny for that car. He's horny. And like also something that something that's interesting is he's in like he has a car he likes driving and then he has a car that drives him around so I was like well, are you in the back seat of that car like he has both a limo driver and his own car what so, must that be like what, in Manhattan to just throw someone yeah. your keys and walk away in freaking Manhattan yeah. that's just so crazy and it, uh, the, the car uh, here's another trivia fact and that, that one point he owned the Ferrari that was used in the film <laughs> Which is that what is that the 60 million? It was like owning yeah, that's that where car? the money came from. Yeah, I, I that is still the most baffling piece of trivia. And like they did double their that's also baffling. I'm like the fact that it made 125, but it costs 60. It seems like, like a lot. Yeah. Chris, do you have a, a clip you're pulling up? Well, I, I figured we should start burning through some of these clips because we're kind of burning through the plot. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's there, look at clips. So clips. it's it's all right. So at some point, this is just a a, a, a We'll play the whole thing. Uh, a speech he gives Taya Leone when he's yelling at her about not buying a $2,400 suit at the mall for Do him. Do you have any idea what my life is like? Excuse me? I wake up in the morning covered in dog saliva. I drop the kids off, spend eight hours selling tires retail. Retail cane. Like retail cane. I pick the kids yeah. up, walk the dog, which, by the way, carries the added bonus of carting away her monstrous crap. Okay, that's all I could take of that bullshit. And I would say, yeah. I, I think I, I I wasn't sure about this before, but rewatching this, I would say this is kind of a, a glimpse at uh, what, what, what we call undercover fancy cage, yeah. which oh. is this voice that he does usually while wearing a suit, usually while pretending to be a uh, higher status than his character actually is. Um, oh man. Comes up in a couple different movies, but uh, I don't know if it's full on undercover fancy cage because he he is undercover, but he's not pretending. I don't know. Anyway, what else you got, Chris? Well, this is what Dana was talking about was how he enlists the daughter or the daughter kind of helps him out. This is the yes. moment that that daughter realizes that he is not because, you know, kids can see the truth. You're not really my dad, are you? So creepy. No, I'm not. I work on Wall Street, you know, with the big buildings. 
I live in an apartment with a doorman, and I can buy almost anything I want. This isn't my life. It's, it's just a glimpse. Where was my real dad? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> it's like... and that... He sounds so southern there. He, he like, did. He had a little bit of a drawl. Yeah, this Castor Troy all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> what is going on in that scene? And, and also, like, the trope of magical child, like, of, like, children can see through your bullshit like that trope comes into play during this christmas magic film because we're, we're actually really knocking out a bunch of magical tropes like, oh yeah we discussed like, christmas magic we discussed magic don Cheadle, and now magic child this is brett I, ratner like attempting to be chris columbus i think like you know <laughs> what i mean it's like, a and, and I want to point out too something that Chris pointed out when what, that scene where he's changing the diaper is the most graphic diaper changing scene I have ever seen on film. We got like actual like baby dick, and we poop. got like and poop, like just straight up dirty diapers. Mm -hmm. And that baby and that, was peeing, like there was, yeah, you know, and that's it, that baby was also like three years old, so like I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Graphic. It reminds me of when you go to like, I actually, I really do not like baby showers because I think they're scary. Uh, and one of the scariest things is like the, when they do the like candy, the melted candy bar diaper game, like where you guess what candy bar is in the melt. The I haven't, I haven't been uh, a party to this and it sounds awful. It's what? awful. Like I, this LA is a city. I, you two are, are more Boston, but I feel like LA is a city with not a lot of baby showers thank god but uh in atlanta i had been to more than one baby shower with the melted diaper melted candy bar and diaper thing and that's mm. exactly what they, it looked like you melt they melted like a, a straight up hershey's bar and a milky way and then like threw in some spaghetti sauce like yeah. it just i was trying to figure out like what, what that baby that baby needs to go to the doctor yeah, and they cracked sure. an egg in there too, just to kind of give it a yeah, just because it's ramen, oh. like they just cracked an egg on it, and, and then so Kate just gross. starts eating out of the diaper. Um, oh, uh, Chris, what other clips do you have for us? I know, oh. I know, some of them you may not want to play right away. So well, there's you, you this, there's this one right here that is a deleted scene. Uh, what? Yeah, th this because one this movie was two hours. <laughs> they cut a lot of scenes, I guess, and Meg found this, and this is him yelling. At the secret, I assume he's calling like the Wall Street guy, uh, and he's yelling at them on a football phone. Uh, and this is that scene. What do you mean he won't come to the phone? What? Oh, oh, he's behind closed doors. Do you have any idea how much money I made that son of a bitch in the past eight years? What? No, you get him on the goddamn phone right now, or I'll rip his throat out and feed it to his dachshund. They had to cut this out. Damn it. <laughs> And then him trying to hang this phone up is fucking hilarious. Like, this is a great scene. I wish this had been in the movie. I know, but now it's in our movie. This is. Okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It's just this god awful. The end of this is phone. funny. Who has a phone like this anyway? You know? Uh -huh. Wow. You must really love Evelyn's mushroom pops, huh? You know, they're not real. The puffs. I feel like that was the stupidest joke they made. Yeah, yeah, that those are about her titties. And so this is the, the tale Leone is on to this like potential affair that maybe has had. Where in the movie was this supposed to be dropped in? Oh, when they were at that, that party. 
Okay. Yeah, the party, the Christmas party. Okay, so early on, like towards towards the beginning. So like, he... the, the timeline of this is like it starts. We're sort of starting on Christmas Eve. He wakes up Christmas Day in Weird World, and so then they go to a party. Like he he dips out on Christmas Day with his family, and then he's quote unquote found again, and then he goes to yes, the Christmas party, and that's where we first clock. Evelyn, the horny, uh, horny. Potential. And I, I want to make a, a shout out to the like production and costume design in the Christmas party. It was so over the top Christmas and I loved it. Everyone is dressed in their best 2000s era Christmas sweaters and mm-hmm. it was great. And the tire shop too. They Christmas the shit out of that place. I loved it. Oh yeah. Christmas tires. The, the sc- like, the, that's pretty it, like you were talking about the timing in the movie. It's kind of misleading, but I think it goes all the way to early March because Valentine's Day comes and goes. Right. Well, I thought that was their anniversary, but maybe their anniversary is Valentine's Day. I feel like that is a very common anniversary for people is to either get married or engaged on Valentine's Day is very, very common. So that is that is likely. And also it's still snowing. Like we do know that it's still snowing by the time this film ends. So it is it is a movie for the our three sort of winter seasons. So we have Capricorn corn season uh, we have aquarius season and like going into pisces so for those three we do know that we have some snow that's probably coming yeah so i i, I don't know enough about astrology to draw astrological conclusions about yeah, me neither movie. i was like oh shit i i got nothing to say yeah, on this but I, sorry <laughs> but i would love to hear them if you have any yeah i mean yeah, like this is so uh, I do celebrate winter solstice, which is like a time of reset, which I think is also why Christmas movies are where they are. Like if we go even even further back before people decided Christmas was Christmas, it is like a time of reset and joy. And like when you hear the 12 days of Christmas, that's the 12 days of Yule. Um, and so that sort of takes place from the, the solstice on the 21st until New Year's Day. So we're still in it, baby. Like, it's still 12 days. It's still fine to drop off a present right now. Go ahead and do it. I see. Uh, you got till New Year's. So <laughs> I think that is a time of, like, wonder and reset and letting go. And so I really do think that there is a certain trope, a Christmas trope of letting go and, like, letting go of your old life. And this is what it would be like if you let go and released your old life and and burned off what no longer served you which is money stocks money stock <laughs> money stocks. so yeah i do stocks. i do feel like that at least for like that 12 days from the solstice until the new year is like nick cage is is deep in that um but yeah timeline i did feel like yeah is either anniversary could have been january or february because we yeah. have this sort of magical like she wakes up and she gets him this like kind of bobo suit uh, that he thinks she thinks he'll like, and he's kind of like it's Bobo, but it's a suit. And then he has nothing for her, and so he's kind of trying to backpedal and backpedal. And it's like interesting comedy of make it worse, right? Of like he gets gets her nothing, and he's like, I'll have it for you tonight. And she's like, That's not like you. And he's like, I don't know what I'm normally like. This is Dream World. And where's the child that tells me what to do? <laughs> child. Yeah. There yeah, is there is a scene from another deleted scene, very short. Uh, that has directly what you just said in it, basically. Mm. And for those of you at home, if he rings his bell, it's supposed to summon Don Cheadle. Yeah, if you want a magical Cheadle tears. How was I supposed to know the date of their anniversary? I never married her! Put the bicycle down. 
I like that scene. <laughs> I think the deleted scenes in this movie are actually better than the movie itself. Like, you know, yeah. they, they let him go full cage. Like, who? they're like, all right, I want you to ring a kid's bicycle bell, but make it threatening. <laughs> so threatening. And like, and, and just even that threat of like, he gets this bell from Don Cheadle uh, as, as they're sort of talking about the deal. And then he presents it, like he brings it home and Annie, the child, I think that's her name, sees it and goes mine and takes it away. So then he has no way to figure out this life other than magical Annie and magical Jeremy Piven, question mark. Like he's trying to figure out how to like put things and put bottles and microwaves and feed children. Like how scary is that to put this man in charge who's like, I don't know how to feed feed or change. God child. forbid one of those childs had any allergies. Like, oh yeah. Cause that the kid would have been dead. Yeah. And yeah. also like the idea that the the kid takes away the bell and therefore he can't find it again. Like it's not that hard to like ring a child's bicycle bell without their consent. Like they're not very good at <laughs> Uh, who knows what that bell even mm -hmm. did? It, it, could, I, it didn't really summon him because he rang it a bunch of times. It didn't really do anything. I don't know. Um, all right, I want to. Uh, we're, we're getting. We're 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 got we're getting there on time. So I want to close out the plot. So just to summarize the end of the plot, it's real easy. He decides <laughs> he likes being with this family, but then Don Cheadle sends him back. He has a couple really creepy speeches to Taylioni, which uh, I think Chris will get into a little bit later. And um, and then he decides he's going to find Taylioni again, but she's also now a high-powered lawyer, or whatever, uh, and isn't interested in him. But then he convinces her at the airport to stay, bookending our movie with two airport scenes. And you, oh, you're a nonprofit lawyer. That's right. You're completely nonprofit. You're completely nonprofit. That doesn't seem to bother you. No I money. And we're in love. All right, enough. <laughs> yeah, so he just yeah. does this whole speech, and it's like, how would this convince anyone? It's like, no, I'm not. That's not, Yeah. you have some vivid imagination of, about what our lives are. Like, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, and this is, this is for anybody who hasn't seen the film, this is back in Money Stocks, Money Stocks world, like where he has, he has, he woke up, he's back, it's back on Christmas Day, Money Stocks, Money Stocks. He goes and sees uh, uh, Kate, who is also money stocks, money stocks. So it sure fucked is. up her life too, that they didn't choose each other. Um, and because she's like, she's moving to Paris to, I don't know, have a firm. I don't know what she's doing. She's moving to Paris to head up a firm. She's an asshole to one of her assistants who may be her friend who's also there, which is just always a bad look. If somebody is, is bad to anybody trying to help them. That Real Ellen DeGeneres vibes going on. Real yeah. Ellen vibes there. Like it's, it, that I thought was also upsetting. It was like, oh, so he, so he wouldn't, I don't think he would have chosen her as is if he didn't have this Don Cheadle experience of seeing what the life could be. And so it's now his work to convince her that if they both become not assholes, they will have a good life together. And so as assholes, they sit in an airport diner and try to close it down as people are trying to clean it up and go the fuck home. So, yeah. I mean, so that is also a problem. And I want to say like her luggage was probably on that plane and left anyway. Yeah, so totally. her luggage is gone. Also the kids are gone. So maybe the kids were in that luggage. Like the kids don't exist anymore. Yeah. That's kind of dark that he has this whole bonding thing with his daughter who then like disappears and like becomes not real. Yeah. Or, yeah. And then also this version of Taylor Leone that's not real. 
right yeah like like we don't even know what this new Taya leone is really like like i don't i don't know in it's, this movie they kill two children true that they do but is it is, oh boy i don't even want to get into this <laughs> i don't know chris is this is it time for us to uh play uh your masterwork yeah let's do it so i you wanna, i want to introduce it i put together a trailer because this movie's very creepy so i made my own trailer for this film uh, and I present it without comment. Do you want to die? These past few weeks, I know I've done some, some unusual things. I've done some good things too, though, haven't I? I need you to remember me, Kay. How I am right now. At this very moment, I need you to put that image in your heart and keep it there. Keep it with you no matter what happens. Are you okay? Yeah. You're not really my dad, are you? What's happening to me? trailer that is amazing i hope you share that somewhere because i will put it somewhere watch it over and over again that is so fun such a creepy uh, movie when you take the music and you change it it's such a creepy movie there's so many shots that and like speeches that he gives where you're just like this is straight out of a horror movie they just put feel good music yeah um oh and that may reminds me what we that forgot almost the best part of this movie which is the cake scene where he and tay leone feed each other they fight over cake and then they feed each other the cake and then they hook up on the stairs while covered in cake. Guys, Chris Chris found this. I'll give him credit. Dana, I will tell you this then. This is a whole thing. This is a whole internet thing that I had no idea about. Um, there's a song. There's Dana's videos. way cooler than us though, so she might have known about this. I don't I, yeah. know. <laughs> well, here it is. Here it is. Oh, credit to Harry Partridge. Where's that chocolate cake? Where's that chocolate cake? Where's that chocolate cake? Where's that chocolate cake? Do you mean this chocolate cake? That's my piece. You want this cake? I want it. You want this cake? I want it. You want this cake? I want. Okay, well, that's a solid minute yeah. of that, but. Uh, you can find that on YouTube at Harry pa- Harry Partridge. Uh, yeah. And that's where I found it. And there you go. Uh, that, yeah. That's an experience. I don't know. I don't know how to file that. I just know that somebody <laughs> saw that scene and was like, I see some meat on this bone. I'm going to pick at it. Like, that's totally what happened. <laughs> but it's like, it's a whole, there's a lot of like remix versions of this, that, but I just had no idea that this, this movie had inspired this, like, do you want this cake meme thing? Um, so that's got that going for it guys let's let's take this over and find out the real big question of today's episode which is did we get a cage bingo Uh, Uh, we've been running a little bingo card um 
and we've had two movies so far that have gone into it, which are um, <laughs> Raising Arizona and, and another one. Jiu-Jitsu. And Jiu-Jitsu, yes. Uh, so uh, let's let's see if there's anything here. Uh, a little, I know, Dana, maybe a little hard for you to see. Um, okay. But Chris, you want to just see All if there's right. anything that stands out to you? Yeah, um, and on the stream, it might be a little easier to see. Yeah, I'm going to pin when it. When it pops up, because I know we're a little bit behind. All right, there we go. Um, so, uh, <laughs> seeing a therapist. So the ones that aren't selected are seeing a therapist. Uh, okay. Cage is the villain, which he's not. Let al- left alone in the hospital, wake up alone, like a la Walking Dead. Uh, pregnant girlfriends or wives. There's nothing like that in this movie. Underwater scuba propeller, which is featured mm-hmm. in a couple films, but not this one. Cage is not a cop in this movie, which is one of the few movies he's not a cop or a criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fancy undercover Cage. Yeah, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. Ugh, this one's tough because it's so right on the border. I I'm gonna say no, Chris. What do you think? Okay, I'll give that a no, just because it's okay. not the true fancy undercover cage. Uh, no tattoo yeah, sightings. It depends on your definition of that. Like, I think it's it's maybe adjacent, but it doesn't quite hit the mark. It's it's a, it's yeah. a, it's such a specific thing, which is when he's playing a lower status character who's trying to impress right. fancy people. And he's like, "Oh, hello, I'm Nicholas Cage." Like, and he's like doing this affectation. Yeah, but in this um, one, I would argue that he's addicted to money in this. Like when I'm looking at addiction slash history of addiction, and like I do believe he's addicted to money, but that's yeah. also very loose. That's a very loose um, interpretation of addiction. I I don't disagree. Yeah, but I think I think I'm gonna keep it keep it more strict to like substances. Mm-hmm. Is already uh, is already married. That's yeah, one. that's one right there. He's already married. He is already married to Taylor Leone, which he didn't even know about. Oh, yeah, we are um, so close. And on this. this- yeah, left alone in a hospital, waking up alone. It's I mean, very he, specific. <laughs> yeah, because he does it. He does at points wake up alone. Like it's typically that he's, but it's typically that he's with somebody and wakes up alone, or wake or goes to bed alone and wakes up with somebody. So you know, it's close, but no cigar there. Tattoo sighting. I would say that we have buns sighting, but no tattoo. We do have buns? Ooh, we don't and have actually, a naked cage. We need a naked cage one on this. In the yeah, next that's version. that's in my in my list for our next card. Um, but so the interesting thing about the tattoo sighting is, so the tattoo that we're referring to, um, as the big ridiculous tattoo he has on his back and we do see him shirtless from behind, but his tattoo is covered up. So we don't see it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm looking at the pregnant girlfriends slash wives and nobody, Tay Leone isn't pregnant in this, but they do use the code surprises. They use the code of. Uh, of, of of pregnancy is a, what a surprise we had right. a surprise and it was annie or or three-year-old that somehow was also a baby uh <laughs> our, our surprises and so like while they are not pregnant while she's not pregnant and they are not pregnant as a couple in this film that is it is heavily referred to as a turning point in their sort of dream relationship is like uh-oh yeah. you got pregnant we didn't mean for that to happen. Whoopsie Daisy. We we could have we could have gotten that uh, taken care of. Wink. But we decided to go through with it. <laughs> I think which that, I think is also a turning point. I think that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And uh, I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> and we got to keep this wagon train rolling. Yeah, I so, think I think we are we are it's unfortunately. Time- not getting a bingo today, guys. Yeah. Okay, no bingo, but we're so close. What's so, the cool? I like this game, though. It's a fun game. It's, it's I, very fun, yeah. I think it's time to rank the cage. 
Wait, well, before we do that, Chris, yes, um, we have a little uh, two bit, 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 bits of trivia that I haven't managed to work in organically to All our right. conversation. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for that trivia. trivia. Um, just a, another fact that we didn't mention. So the, you know, guys know the scene where he is uh, Don Cheadle tricks him into getting out of the car, uh, and then uh, he he's trying to start the minivan and the minivan won't start. Um, that was an accident. It just straight up wouldn't start in real life, and they just decided to keep it. <laughs> Whoa! So sometimes awesome. having a shitty minivan in cold weather will give you filmmaking genius. That's Gold. where the money went. Yeah. <laughs> and another another connection. Uh, we always like to look for Elvis connections because Nick Cage is a big Elvis fan. And at some point he puts on and mentions he, that he's wearing English leather cologne. English leather is Elvis's favorite cologne. Uh, and like he goes through a box of shit that yeah. Taylor, future Taylor or like uh, shitty Taylor gives him. And I, I couldn't tell, like, is that alcohol or cologne? It's old like, school also, cologne. Why did yeah. she keep this box of his shit? Like she's for 13 she's too, years, 13 years. Like you throw that, you throw that out or you give it to somebody's parents. Like you don't, you don't keep that. Did she not so. move ever? Because this Ever. is her first time she moved, I guess, and that's yeah. why she's telling him that. Who knows? Because that would be like you give somebody one thing, like, oh, you had this cologne alcohol, like that's that's the one thing you keep. Of like, I didn't realize I had this; it was in my stuff. But you don't, you don't just like keep the box. Oh, the it's been box? a long time. Oh. Yeah, just, oh, just get rid of it. Yeah. What All right, Chris, take us away. It's time so, to rank the cage. How this works is that we are going to, uh, yeah, thank you for the, the from Vampire's Kiss. That's what that's from. Uh, we are going to uh, give you a little scoring matrix so that three of us together can rank the movie on a scale of one to ten uh, in each category. Um, and then what we do is we compare these to other movies that we've done. And we'll see where it ends up on our list of 12 other movies. I'm going to guess it's going to be a solid middle one, but let's see how it goes. So Dana, for you, the first, the first category is the cast. And this is not about their acting ability. This is just how excited are you by the cast of this movie? Is it all these people that you just love to see in movies or do you not care on a scale of one to 10 or zero to 10 if you feel really? I mean, Saul Rubinek 10, but everybody else i would say probably about a five like this is probably about a five like pretty middle of the road like i want to know what tay leone is up to so i'd say about a five and i but like you know what yeah five saul brings it up to a five the right everybody else could not give oh cheetle six 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 six, six, six cheetle. i like cheetle a lot i'm gonna throw a four at this one just because i really only like cheetle and uh yeah same yeah. same reasons but four for me yeah, yeah i think i'm gonna hit it hit it with a four as well Okay. Uh, I feel like it was below middle of road for me, but not terrible. All right, acting. So this is just everyone other than Cage in this movie. What's the overall acting quality in this movie? You know, I know you two didn't mind Taylor performance, but I think I found her to be pretty awful in that first scene, and that just sets the tone. <laughs> so I I want to say I'm going to go four here of everybody else. And then Piven's weird because it's Piven. I don't know. It's, I'd say four. It's, a cheetle brings it to a four. Four. 
What I didn't like about Taylor his performance, and she's always like, <sighs> like exhaling a lot when she talks. Uh, like she's very dead faced, very yeah. dead faced and exhaling. You're being Jack Campbell. Yeah, so, so, that's so, a great yeah. thing. Okay. I saw four yeah. thing, four for me too. I'm gonna give it a five. I think it was just very middle of the road for me. I don't yeah. have a, I don't, I, 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 no one rubbed me the wrong way. I think it did for you guys, but you know, no one really stood out to me. All right, how fun is this movie on a scale of zero would be leaving Las Vegas and ten would be Face Off? Ooh, I want to say three, just because that I did not have enough scenes to really keep me fully engaged. It definitely felt like a slog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it yeah. was it was fun thinking of like things to talk about from it, but I think if I watch this without trying to make an entertaining um, piece of comedy with you two about it, I, I don't I don't think I could have made it. So three, but that the hyperventilating scene we watched. Anytime he's the, the suit scene, like anytime he's flipping out, like there are some real cage moments. So those redeem it. It would have been a one, but we have, we got to three at least. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of fun watching this movie. I, I, there, the moments when you see him with the kids, like the moments of levity, I kind of just got cr- creeped out by like when he's <laughs> like, like fighting on the lawn with a child. It's like, says, you could tell it's so awkward for him. Like, it's like almost like, you know, not in his nature. Uh, so I'm going to go with the three is also on this one. Uh, I'm going to go with the three as well. Mm-hmm. Man, this Same is like the most uniform voting we've ever had in a movie. It's just, it's hard, to, you know, it's hard to throw down a strong opinion about this movie because it's just like, yeah, it's just yeah. a little bit mind numbing. All right. Technical. This is just like uh costume sets, special effects. Obviously there aren't any special effects in this movie, but pretty low here because I hearing that it's 60 million and I can't. <laughs> that anyway. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, I would say probably two, like a two, a two. I was not wowed. I was not wowed for the money. Like there, there should have been like some sort of Christmas demon. If you're going to spend 60 million. I, I think that that 60 million went to a fully automatronic baby and that (laughs) wasn't a real baby. That's the only reason I can come up with, but I'm going to give it. A three for the Christmas decorations. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. give it a, a four because I didn't think there was there wasn't that much to it that was like distractingly bad. Yeah. Uh, aside from Nicolas Cage's hairpiece, which was distractingly bad. Very distracting. Um. All right. Overall, uh, just overall, how much did you like this movie? I mean, I'm trying to average my scores I've just done, but I feel like I want to I want to stand back it. Go bit with your gut. It's okay if it doesn't match up. A lot of people's don't match up to what they've averaged. Yeah. You know. I really feel like, you know, when I look at fun, I feel like that is a great overall score is like looking at the fun score for, especially a cage movie, which I feel like is a three. Like I'm going to just go, I'm going to repeat that fun score. You three. Know, three. Okay. Three. Three. Uh, for me, you know, when I, when I saw this as a kid, I really liked it, but seeing it now, oh man, it just creeped me out and it wasn't fun. It was just a slog and a half. Uh, so wow. I'm actually even going to go down to a two just because I- I don't want to watch this again, like at all. <laughs> yeah, I had I had plans of watching this again today. I watched it last night. I had plans of watching it a second time to like really engage with you two on it. Wow. And I was like, there's really no not necessary. Like I, I produced promos and commercials for so long and that I would always watch it once at normal speed and then once at like double speed and then take notes. 
And instead I was like, this is going to be a slog. I can feel it. And just try to take as many notes as I could last night. Wow. That's impressive. And commitment. You not required for our show. Absolutely. You did everything right. Um, overall, I'm going to give this, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like to reward movies that don't make me like unpleasantly disturbed, you know, like, uh, I, I still think like leaving Las Vegas was the most unpleasant movie I've seen in a long time. Um, and this is, this is not that this is just sort of like a neutral fine movie that like doesn't really hold up well. Mm. So I'm going to also give it a, oh, I don't know. I'm going to give it a four. I know that's a little bit generous, but I just, I, I like to reward the sort of like fine movies for being yeah. fine. All right. This last section, this is, you can add or take away a point for something that you liked or disliked and whoever has one first just shout it out. Um, so I could be like, I am taking away a point because I did not care to see Jeremy Piven on my screen or something like that. Is that but your, you don't is have that to your point? That. No. Okay. Uh, I actually, I'm going to take away a point for uh, the deleted scenes, even though they're great because they should have been in the fucking movie. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. that. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, I'm going to take, I don't know how many points I can take away, but I feel Just like I want to take away several. Just one. I think. Yeah, let's stick with one unless you really, something really bad. I mean, I think we really, we've covered it all. Like Brett Ratner being involved, Piven being involved, Nick Cage being miscast, uh, the children just disappearing. Like there's a, the, the, the creepy stalker scenes, which you, Chris, you covered so well in your trailer. Like it all, <laughs> it all leads to at least, at least a point off, at least. Like there's so much that does not sit right with this film. Yeah. I'm going to have to go in the other direction just to even it out and give the the little kid actor with the scene when she was going to cry. I thought that was really funny. Uh, yeah. So we'll give her a point. Yeah. And and having to go up against Cage. like Yeah. She, she, she did a lot down. of one-on-one heavy lifting with him. Yeah. She was carrying those scenes. All right. So let's right. see where that puts us. You ready? Yes, please. Let's see it. Okay. Oh boy, it is one up from jujitsu on the bottom of the list. Whoa. Wow. So that's our number twelve out of thirteen movies. It's between the Wicker Man and Jujitsu. I'm actually surprised that it didn't beat the Wicker Man. I think the Wicker, Wicker Man had Man. more fun. Yeah, the yeah. Wicker Man is wall to wall fun. I will <laughs> gladly rewatch Wicker Man. Although I will say if you if you, you I think you will find that it does not hold up as much. There's a lot of dead air in that movie, which was surprising to us. Between the crazy parts, there's a lot of like really slow, boring conversation. Um, that's a that's a feel free to re-listen our audience. Feel free to re-listen to our Wicker Man podcast. That is the first movie we did. Um, so we're at number twelve. Let's go over to the Cage Gauge, Chris. Walk right. us through this. It's time for the Cage Gauge. Cage Gauge is a two-axis plot that just uh, plots trademark Cage brand craziness. So what I'm talking okay. like when he yells random things for no reason, he does that. The wacky cage just not cage playing you know someone with mental illness this is cage brand crazy versus cage wow. acting ability so that's two axis uh and so you give each a score out of 10 so and, okay. and i do want to make a shout out too to um our friend and future guest adi heller who suggested that the cage gauge have a z axis of financial desperation uh, which unfortunately Ooh. we do not know how to make that work <laughs> visually a 3d yeah. 3d plot but uh yeah, this this would me. be uh probably low on that axis of financial desperation he was doing okay he was doing fine in the year 2000 all right uh dana so this is the unhinged 
like this is the score of unhinged on one to 10, correct? Yeah. yeah so uh, I would, I would give it probably about a six here. Like I'd say he's not at his tip top, but he's just inappropriate. He's inappropriately angry. And I'm going to throw him. Um, and that's based on the deleted scenes, like mm. the football thing. And then blaming her for the football phone. It's got to go at least to a six. So I'm going to give it a pretty low score just because if you throw that deleted scene in there and the ta-da when he comes around the corner, you got a couple of cage moments. I'm going to give it a four. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm going to actually give it a, a three. I think uh, the cage the cage bar for craziness is pretty high. And yeah, this is this is on the low side. Yeah, this is my this is my first time kind of entering the ring on this uh on this i, I think you're anything you say is right so don't yeah. don't don't second guess yourself yeah I'm, almost, I'm second guessing myself now too because i'm like oh wait this is a much more mellow cage he, but he just, does have yeah. he does have some moments for sure if you especially if you incorporate those deleted scenes then it's like the deleted scenes are really what took it like the throwing the bike and like because that's of course like what i just watched just now so i'm like yeah he's totally He's totally off and like hyperventilating in the car. Like there's so many weird moments. Okay. Acting ability. Cage is just cage. Just him. Just cage. Nobody else. Two. (laughs) Two. I'm right there with you, Dana. Two. Two. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I'm going to give him a four. Four. Bringing up the average. So this oh. this plants us firmly in the not crazy bad acting quadrant, which oh. is <laughs> the bottom left of the cage gauge. I love this. I and love the cage gauge. Let's go to the full on. This this will show us all the movies we've done. So that puts us in the same neighborhood as National Treasure, uh, mm-hmm. and and to a certain extent, uh, Gone in sixty seconds. But that one is right on the edge of of uh, bad acting. It it gets almost to the good acting, so we're 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 in in good company here. Okay, okay. <laughs> so what is I'm looking at some of your selections that are good acting and crazy. That sort of good acting beautiful top right. All right, yeah, I see uh, Mandy's there. Mandy, uh, uh, face off. This is leaving Las Vegas. Uh, this is uh, Wild at Heart. Uh, this yeah. is The Rock. And this is the one we just did uh, two movies ago. This Vampire's is, Kiss? No, this one with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth is. Uh, yeah, was this? Which is this seems like what you expect when you say Nicolas Cage film. You want the like well acted, also very very unhinged, like just just shooting the moon for no reason. Right. Yeah. I think this is really one of the trickiest things for us is ranking the acting of ranking his acting ability. I think. You know, we always make a go at it, but like, I don't know if we have a good, a good rubric for that because it's it's very hard to rank how good of an actor he's being in movies because sometimes you're like, well, is this, is this like realistic? No, but like, is it good? Maybe. I just go by, I did I feel anything? And I felt yeah. nothing watching this performance. <laughs> I, was I like, felt angry. Like I felt like God. It's uh, like keep pausing it. it. Over? <laughs> and even when it ended, it was just like, oh, it's over. There, what? Like, it just, which I mean, thank God it ends. Thank, thank God there's an end to this film. Right. Speaking of the ending, one last little trivia thing before we wrap up the show: the when he goes to visit his house in New Jersey as, you know, money stocks cage, money he stock. rings the doorbell and there's a guy and he's like, the guy there is like, I don't know any Kate. 
that man who answers the door is Robert Downey Sr., dad of Robert Downey Jr. And in the credits, this is how we know this, he is credited as Robert Downey Sr., in parentheses, a prince. And this is apparently how he's credited in all of his movies. Robert Robert Downey Downey Jr., I think that Robert Downey Jr. would have made a much better main character for this movie. That'd be great. I'd love that. Jack Cadillac, a prince. Hey, so since we're wrapping up the show, Dana, have anything you want to plug? Yes, sure. Uh, So I I produce fun stuff for Racer Trash. It's a collective of probably about 40 plus editors that are really great at editing. I'm not great at editing, but I have fun uh, just doing emotional labor for them uh, and (laughs) making sure that stuff happens. So uh, yeah, I've been working with them for a couple months and I'm a big fan. So I, uh, I love them and I'm a part of them. So come hang out at uh, racertrash.com and see when we're doing stuff. We're doing something right now that I'm going to hop off and check out. Uh, And then also I'm on Toonami every Saturday at uh, whenever they want to put it on. Sometimes it's midnight. Sometimes that's different. So I can't tell you, but it's typically <laughs> Saturdays and the time changes. Um, and yeah, I, you can look me up. I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at, at Dana Swan Swan. That's how you keep up with my bullshit. Like uh, I like to take, take uh, very scandalous photos on Thursdays or review parking lots. So that's my, my night that I do stuff is typically Thursdays. <laughs> Come see me uh, do some bullshit on Instagram. Go I'm- follow Dana. She's great. Um, and uh, Dana, thank you so much for having. I'm saying thank you so much for. Thanks thank for having so us, for Dana. Us having us. Thanks for yeah, having I us. I invited you to my world. kitchen. Isn't this nice? You definitely have the more professional looking setup. So thanks for having us on your show with the nice microphone. <laughs> you guys have microphones. Be- uh, we will be back next week. We are watching the movie eight millimeter and we're gonna have to watch that during the day i don't know it's gonna be rough a movie a about dark. snuff films our guest is our friend michael trainer it'll be we'll make we'll find a way to make it fun we'll laugh we'll cry uh, you guys have a slide for that let's see let's do the slide oh we're going to the credits we got a slide yeah all right guys have a good night i got excited about the slide and i was like get oh see that slide i saw earlier there's the slide there's the slide All right, Chris, take us away. Enjoy, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night. Unlocking the Cage is produced by The Manager Special. Music by Will Janetta. Check out our other shows, as well as sketches, animation, and short films at managerscomedy.com.